you, you can imagine Frazier opening up a gateway to hell. Their produce is very suspect. Let's spend a little bit of you time. I wanted to summon Hellboy and the BPRD to deal with these people at Kroger. Oh, that's like my girlfriend who lives in Canada. Well, my, fa- my face is my moneymaker, so. You gotta take it down a notch. Oh, he would have been shouting it's all about family. This movie's about a guy from hell. What are we going to call him? Hell boy? Done. The way I like to talk about it is it's the occult version of Men in Black. They're going to rename it Fishman's Red Friend. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Smash! Welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that looks at comic book movies outside the MCU that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person that enjoys talking about hidden gems or just likes to tear old movies apart, this is the place for you. And with that, let's get started. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Roberts. I'm the founder of All Panel Creations. With me today, I have Jeremy Parmentier. Hi, I'm Jeremy Two Dogs Parmentier. They call me that because I have two dogs. Also, I'm the host of the Retrovaniacs podcast and a member of the band Subtastics. And Fergal Mayo. I am Fergal Amayo, president, founder, and owner of Gotham Knight Comics, where we get our nerd on. And also, I happen to be a resonant member of the BPRD with my own right hand of small doom. So I'm excited to join this conversation and talk about the man with the big hand of right doom. (laughs) I'm surprised you want to talk about your small hands, Fergal. (laughs) I'm okay with a small hand, because it means I have big everything else. If you can't tell, our movie today is 2004's Hellboy, starring Ron Perlman, Doug Jones, Selma Blair, and John Hurt, directed by the master of monsters himself, Guillermo del Toro. Before we jump into the movie, guys, what is your your history with it? Do you remember seeing this in the past? Well, yes. I've as as the case is with every superhero movie, every movie where the testosterone levels may rise, I will watch it. So I did see this in the theaters. I am familiar with the comics, and it's Guillermo del Toro, I believe is his name. Uh, and before he did this, I believe he did Pan, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been before or after. Amazing director, amazing movie. Um, I did see this when it was new. I don't think I saw the movie theater. I think I saw it like as soon as it was on DVD or whatever. Um, I knew it was a comic. Uh, I worked in a comic store, and I was familiar with the fact that it was a character, but I hadn't really read it, so I wasn't sure if this was close to the source material. Um, you know, that said, I remember enjoying the movie, so looking forward to looking at it again. Yeah, for myself, I, I don't know if I saw it in the theater or not. I definitely owned the DVD at some point, um, as always, it seems. The and of course, looking at it now, I know it's a comic book character. By the time, had no idea. So, guys, why don't we jump into it? Fergal, can you tell us a little about the background of the actual source material? Yeah, so it premiered in 1993 at the Comic Con. Actually, it was the pamphlet of the Comic Con, um, and then it hit up in the book Dime Press, which I'm still looking for. Uh, looking for a very good copy of it. Artist, and again, one just so you know, and I love being able to say stuff like this. This is actually one of the top heroes ever created. Dark Horses, one of their premier flagship books, been made into multiple movies, comics, uh, graphic like story, animated movies. So Mike Magnolia is the guy who created this. Larry Bryan wrote the story for it. Um, um, and, you know, he's one of those guys that didn't go all out in super show business like Leofield or McFarlane, but he is probably responsible for one of the top 50, top 25 characters, top 50 comic series of the top 100 most influential of all time. Now, I understand for this movie specifically, the source they tried using, a lot of it came from Seed of Destruction, Wake the Devil and Chained Coffin. Am I, am I correct in that? They, you are correct. So, uh, um, but again, yeah, absolutely. You get 
kind of they, they and they also took an origin story because there's a couple different origin stories but if you look at the newer one the remake they took another portion of that origin story and they kind of focused on that one but yeah it's they they, they pulled from those storylines and spoiler warning for you that for everyone out there just a heads up we're going to be discussing the plot of this movie and with we'll be discussing several elements of that story which might be actually be considered spoiler so consider yourself warned the movie opens to explain the origins of hellboy it takes place at the end of World War II. The Russian dark mystic Rasputin and the Nazi Thule Society are trying to open a portal to hell. The Allied commandos with Professor Broom in there interrupt the experiment and they end up killing everybody. And at during the aftermath, they actually find a half-demon, half-human, and they call him Hellboy. Now, we fast forward to today, and we're introduced to the secret U.S. agency. It's called the Bureau of Paranormal Research, and it studies and uses the occult in fighting off monsters. Here, Hellboy, Abe Sapien, and Johnny are part of a team which are used to fight off these threats. And the movie is basically the, the story of the return of Rasputin and the Nazis, and Hellboy has to finally defeat them once and for all and face his true origins. Damn Nazis. Can they just stop coming up? The damn Nazis. <laughs> Welcome to the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. There are things that go bump in the night, Agent Myers, and we are the ones who bump back. Hellboy. Well, come on in. Meet the rest of the family. Abraham Sapien. Less human. It's a beautiful name. These freaks. They give me the creeps. Every time the media gets a look at him, they come running to me. I'm running out of life. If there's trouble, all us freaks have is each other. 60 years ago, they tried to destroy the world. They're back. Master. Behind this door, ancient evil. Oh well, let me go in and say hi. So, guys, let's talk a little about the characters. Um, who was your favorite character in this movie? I mean, there are a lot of them. There are, are really a lot of them. So, I mean, I'm huge. I think Ron Perlman's Hellboy was phenomenal. I think it was it was probably one of Ron Perlman's. It kind of cemented Ron Perlman as an antihero. So, I'm I'm gonna go that one. I liked Abe, but I mean, my favorite character all in would have to be Rasputin. I thought that character was played phenomenally. Yeah, I mean, you can't watch Hellboy and not love Hellboy. I mean, I guess you could, but that's probably a bad experience. So, yeah, Hellboy's uh, he's he's. He's kind of this anti-hero, sort of, but not really. It's more like, uh, you know, since he is, and this isn't spoiling anything, because you kind of said he came out of the portal, he's some sort of demon of some sort. So you don't really know if he's naturally good or evil, but he's using the powers he has, which from what I can tell are uh, that he can punch things really strong and that he's immune to fire. Uh, that, that seems to be like his two constant powers he has throughout this thing, um, you know, to, to fight other demons, right? He be, He's part of this... This force that has been, I think they're built out of the FBI, but they're kind of like a side offshoot uh, called the Bureau of Paranormal Research. Uh, and they they go out and they fight other demons. So it's not just that he fights Rasputin from the beginning. Yes, that does happen, and that's the plot of the movie. But uh, really, it's that at the beginning, you see him kind of in his role in the Bureau of Paranormal Research, where they send him out with other agents that are not these demons uh, to go out and do work. The only other person that seems to have power there at the beginning, uh, as you mentioned, was Abe Sapien, who's like this fish man. I love Abe Sapien. <laughs> I love him. 
fun fact, the guy who played Abe Sapien, or Abe Sapien, also played uh, Silver Surfer, Orn Rand. Norn Rand in that movie. So he, even though I believe it was Lawrence Fishburne was his voice, uh, that Doug Jones actually played the character. What? That was a fun fact for you. Not on the DVD, by the way. Yeah, so they're they're my two favorite characters because they're the most that are like out there. Um, I think that uh, Summer Blair is great because she's Summer Blair and she's great in most things. Uh, and Rasputin, yeah, is a good bad guy. Like all the bad guys, there's there's a Rasputin, uh, there's a, a female uh, kind of officer that's with him, and like some kind of super assassin that's semi-human. Uh, all great, great bad guys. So uh, honestly, everyone in this movie that's not a standard human, I think, is great. Agreed. Yeah, the for the costumes and the makeup, it is phenomenal what they put together here. I think you're right, Jeremy. If you don't like Hellboy, why are you watching this movie? Abe Sapien, yeah, he. I think you're right. He is one of my favorite characters. Just the costume design, the way he moves. Doug Jones always does a great job uh, as a contortionist. Fun fact for you though, before build out a uh, film out this movie or sort of filling out who they want in the crew, both Del Toro as well as Mike wanted Ron Perlman, but the studio pushed back and said that we would rather have one of three people, Vin Diesel, oh. Dwayne Johnson, or friend of the pod, Nick Cage. None of the above for this particular role. I am just, I mean, we've already seen what uh, Rock Johnson did with a superhero movie. Nick Cage would be phenomenal, but he's Ghost Rider. And who is the other guy? Uh, was that uh, Dwayne Johnson? The Rock? No, the, no, the third person. Uh, Nick oh, and Vin, Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel? Oh, he would have been shouting it's all about family. But what's even funnier about that, when they when they finally shot Vin Diesel down, the studio said, well, if you're not going to have Vin Diesel as Hellboy, can you have him as Ape Sapien? <laughs> that would be bizarre. That would be weird. <laughs> Actually, I just had a visual. That's why it went so quiet, because that was really weird. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that. I mean, because Doug Jones does such a good job with the movements. Um, yes. I could not imagine Vin Diesel doing any of that <laughs> whatsoever. Well, he's, he's very – I mean, I know that it, there would be effects on it or whatever. But, you know, Abe Sapien's like an underwater merman basically. And so he's very like lithe. You know, he's very, very slim. He doesn't, He's not all big and ripped. I mean, he would probably end up being a little big and ripped, but not Vin Diesel big and ripped. Yeah, just imagine Abe Sapien talking about how it's all about the family. Over and over yes, again. I would just, I was actually thinking the same thing. He'd be right. He might see him in a fast car. But you're right. The, though Doug Jones plays Abe Sapien, he is not voiced by Doug Jones. He's voiced by David Pierce. Uh, the same voice as Niles Crane. So That's right. That's, that's, I saw that as I was looking. That's the same exact storyline for, uh, for Silver Surfer, for the Fantastic oh, Four. I think it's the same, the same uh, storyline as, Fra- as Frasier. I'm like, I don't think it is. I don't think it's the same for it, it could Frasier be. at all. Although you, you can imagine Frasier opening up a gateway to hell. It's not that pl- it's not that implausible, guys. Yeah, Fergal, which version of Frasier have you been watching? <laughs> I haven't seen I the know. reboot. Perhaps there is a fish man in it. I don't know. That, that maybe, maybe. I just, I, as I said, I feel like he may actually be part of some paranormal research division. That is funny. Real funny fact for you too. All the underwater scenes, Jeremy, you mentioned, um, were all filmed on the same day. It was actually filmed on Doug Jones's birthday. This is just a funny fact for you. So filmed on his birthday. So he has spent several hours being strapped into this. It was a 21-hour shoot. Uh, he ended up being bruised and beaten up at the end of it. And actually, Del Toro started the day off by giving him a birthday cake. And he said, this is quoted by Del Toro from the DVD. Yes, I did watch a commentary. And he gave him a birthday cake. He said, hey, birthday, Doug. Today, we are going to string you up by your balls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a birthday present. That is a birthday party, huh? 
That's lock, lock. And somehow, yet again, we managed, even in a movie where there is not one set of balls to be found, we have managed to bring balls back into the conversation. That's impressive. I think we should stop on that for a moment. That's why I thought you would appreciate that fact. <laughs> I, I really did. That, that We brought the balls back in, really. The tendies. I just, oh, we can't talk about it now, but I just watched the whole GameStop thing. The tendies. We brought the tendies back. I do want to bring up, and Jeremy sort of hinted at the character, uh, Cronin. Uh, that's the Nazi assassin. Rupert Kronick. Yeah. Yep. Though, um, do, though, Ape Sapiens my, is got to be hands down one of my favorite characters in there, except for Hellboy. Uh, I love that character design for him as well. For Cronin. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was that, the clockwork that was inside of his chest, the, the surgical procedures. That was incredible, good, practical CGI. That was well played CGI. I mean, the concept is he basically deformed himself, took off his eyelids, his lips, and it's all under this gas mask to make himself into the, the perfect assassin. He doesn't even have blood anymore. He's just got dust in his veins. And he can't he basically can't die. So how does he die in the end? You guys I know he gets stuck again, or does he he, he just gets crushed under the weight and he gets he's skewered so many times though this giant uh was it giant gear has been dropped on top of him. Yeah. So I think he's just stuck forever. I don't think he's actually dead, but he is stuck there. That was my thinking. So we sort of touched on the uh, the costumes, the makeup, special effects, guys. How did you feel about this movie? I thought they were great. I mean, it's practical. They were they were really there were scenes like at the end that you could tell were complete. But that's I think that's more a sign of how old the movie is than really anything. Um, and plus, I think when they invested in Hellboy, you kind of touched on it. They didn't necessarily get the character they wanted. That may have translated into just a little bit less of a budget for whatever they did. But I think they for what they gave us, they applied the right amount of real versus CG effects, like practical versus CG. That was pretty dope. Yeah, there, there's not, I mean, you can tell there's CG in it, but it doesn't look out of place. It, it's not like, you know, going back to like Ghost Rider's head, which looked terrible. This is, these all look really good. Um, even the parts towards the end, there's a lot of, you know, kind of otherworldly uh, outer space tentacle monsters and such that come in towards later. And yes, those look like full on CG, but still it works because the, the person that's on screen the most time is Hellboy. So you can have this like giant red demon man fighting these kind of goofy looking CG monsters and still have it look really good. You're not having realistic action scenes where, you know, it's like a guy with a sword or all this other stuff. We have to worry about it kind of not not blending well. Instead, because you're dealing with Hellboy and these things together, I think it still holds up really well. The only thing that I thought uh, and again, they aren't bad comparatively, but the uh, the, the Samuel monsters, like there's one in the beginning that he kind of goes to fight in his first mission, and then there's a bunch of them. They, they're they fine, but at certain angles, they do look a little goofy. But otherwise, yes. they're good. Agreed. This movie was, you no, know, it's from 2004, so they were still leaning a lot into practical effects. CGI was just starting to come in. And, I, and I am, I'm glad to see they didn't go the route of using too much CGI. The effect, the, the parts, I, I actually like the, the otherworldly, you know, sort of alien, eldritch horror looking thing. It wasn't too bad for me at all. The part that stuck to me that I thought was just, did look terrible was when he's squeezing the Red Bull can as well. Basically the two product placement scenes. And then when he steals the beer, both those scenes were the ones that actually looked bad to me for, for whatever reason. When he's squeezing, so which scene are you referencing when he's, when he's personally trying to close his hand? No, he's drinking a Red Bull and then he squeezes it and crushes the, crushes the can. Uh, okay, I know what you're talking about. And the, the tail, the tail taking the beer out of the... Exactly. And I think it's probably those two scenes are two product placement scenes and they had to make it so they could swap it out for whatever you know, area they're, they're showing the film in. But those are the only two scenes that looked bad to me. Everything else I thought would look fantastic. Yeah, the, the practical effects, all the, the actual makeup on everybody looks really good, right? It's not that they just took, 
and and had people behind green screens like it looks it looks good oh yeah and i think it takes took them several hours to put this stuff on i think i read somewhere hellboy takes i think it takes six hours for him to put his makeup on and four hours to take it off i mean six hours to put to get him top to bottom ready to go Oh yeah, I mean that's what me, it takes me for I the it, no I morning too. Take, but oh yeah, well, that's that. I mean, that's because you're a pretty Ricky. You're Ricky Stanicky. Well, my face, <laughs> my face is my moneymaker. So that's it. That's it. I'm not pretty Ricky, so it doesn't take me that long. So I do want to discuss a couple of the scenes with you guys. How did you feel about? Let's talk. Let's talk about the subway fight. Jeremy hinted at it. You about the um, uh, what was the name of the creature again? Samuels. Samuel. How did you guys feel about that action scene? That's one of the first big action scenes we get. It was good. I thought like when he set him on fire at the end, that was probably a little bit better for me, even though it was more CG. But to your point, um, to your point, Jeremy, that was like, I think when you can see from those angles where the CG wasn't as, I mean, they were trying to keep it practical, but it was a big monster and they obviously didn't have multiple controls through all of it. And you could see where certain things were flopping around a little bit. Yeah, it, it, again, it's not bad, uh, but and by 2004 standards, I'm sure I, at the time I was like, this was looked amazing. But yeah, now it's you can tell that's the part that doesn't hold up. As far as the fight goes, it was fine. I liked that there were other like other people around and their their response to Hellboy as well as the response to these crazy uh, the crazy creature that he's fighting. I mean, yes, the, the thing he's fighting is this kind of like almost like uh, ancient looking half tentacle, half half like you know clawed monster thing and then meanwhile you know you get this giant red demon guy and people are notably afraid of both of them which i do like when that happens well he went after the kitties he did go after and right. save the kitties. i thought that would be the part where you say the hand looks most fake when he was trying to pet the kitties uh they were too busy looking at the kitties funny thing for you guys in this in that scene actually in the background del toro and mike uh are playing background characters in that scene who is mike magnolia and del toro really that's awesome I've said this, and it says it in the DVD, said it in a few interviews. I tried finding them in there to find a clip of that. I could not find which of those people because it's so fast. It's so blurry because it's, it's an action scene. So they don't stick on any shot for too long. He, he doesn't do a lot. He doesn't do a lot of stuff. Like he's not like Leofield out there or uh, McFarlane out there. He's just not out there that much, even though he created such a big character. So how'd you guys – now this, this movie as a plot goes from – various scene to various scene like we have the museum scene we go to the subway fighting scene there's in a city scene eventually we get to like rasputin's grave scene all very different what did you guys think of that the rasputin tomb yeah, I, I like that i like that it did kind of shift it up you had that subway fight uh in the museum area in the start so they're kind of you know we had the very start was the flashback but then you have like kind of the current area right which is fine it's it's okay it makes it makes hellboy really seem like the even though he's not Abe Sapien, the fish out of water. Um, but then you go to this Rasputin section, the, the cemetery at the end where they go to Russia to try to find um, the, the secret crypt where they believe that he's he's hidden, which is somehow tied to his grave or whatever. I love that section because it also it has more of the things that now that I've read a little bit of Hellboy fit more into what I've read, where he's he's you, you know, he goes and summons that uh, the. The, the corpse to come help him and, and he has to carry it around and have him tell him where to go. Like that's all stuff that fits right in the little bit of Hellboy I've read. And I really did enjoy that. I would have to also agree. I thought that scene was great when he used that spill to summon that little creature. And they managed to throw a little bit of humor in there while also keeping it somewhat faithful to the comic books. And I thought that was pretty sweet. And I just liked the when he, you know, once you open, when he uses his hand and it shows what that hand is for, because that follows in line with some of the really great origin stories about Hellboy. 
Now, you both have read the comic, obviously, or some of the comics. What are some of the significant differences between the comic, the source material, and the movie itself? Because it, this is not like a 300 scenario or a Watchmen scenario where it's almost a straight lifting of that. What are the, some of the biggest differences that you guys notice having read the source material? So I'm going to let Fergal fill in most of this because I've only read a little bit. I hadn't read any Hellboy until we decided we were going to do this episode. And then I went out and bought some, you know, some trade that has a collection of stuff that's kind of like called like the essential starting point or something. Everything there is a very short story. They're all good, but they're all very different. And they're more like um, more like that section, right, where he goes to the cemetery and summons uh, summons the, the, the corpse of the dead man to help him. And then he kind of does his little quest or whatever on on. The, each of those little stories in that collection is similar to that where he goes out and does something or goes out and talks to somebody or goes out and does, but it's not, it doesn't have the, the whole, you know, FBI agency that's dealing with him. He's not getting sent on missions by the government. It seems more like he's almost like the witcher. He just shows up and has to stop a demon. So I don't know if they're all like that or not. What I've read is like that. Um, but I, am interested since, uh, Fergal's read what this is kind of based on the, the, the stories of Hellboy that this is based on. I did not read those. Well, they added, I think the biggest thing that they added was uh, the human, some of the human characters like the uh, FBI director, they sort of funnied him up. The Agent Myers really wasn't really focused in on there. They also kind of threw some different stories in there in terms of they didn't give some of the other side character development. I think they could have gone, I mean, again, from my perspective, a lot of the stuff that they were showing around at the BPR day, some of that stuff was sort of added in the kiddies. I mean, he has a thing, but it's not like insanely like that for some of the stuff they have. I and mean, they just add certain things in there um but i think again just when you add the funny bits the extra character moments i think you sort of tend to tend to tend to jump into the movie piece now from what i understand though one of the different main differences is that in the hellboy universe the world knows about him he's not a hidden thing he's not yes that is that is that is something that is very true that is probably the biggest thing about that and yeah, looking at the current movie it for those who have not seen hellboy a good way to sort of get a feel of the tone of the movie the way I like to talk about it is it's the occult version of Men in Black. I was going to say Men in Black. Before you said it, I was thinking Men in Black, sort of. It's that feel, but with a with a much less jokey end, right? He does have little one-liners, and there are jokes there. There's humor, but it's not Men in Black, right? There's not Will Smith just constantly throwing stuff off. There's not a section where he raps at an alien. Like, this is fine. This is this is similar in feel, though, where they have they are this, this force that's working in the background that's somewhat tied to the government, um, I, I don't think it was that people didn't know Hellboy here. Like when he was out in public, like during the subway scene, it was almost like people know him, but they aren't sure whether or not to trust him or that they should. That they're safe. Well, they they keep produ- they keep producing the uh, idea that he's not real. They keep trying to keep him in the room. I think that the whole idea that the the thing I think that's probably where it differs a little bit is they're trying to show the evolution of him coming out into the public. Yeah, so I guess that makes Myers the Will Smith character. Kind of. <laughs> Imagine Myers doing a rap for this movie wasn't he isn't he the guy who played on star trek the next generation isn't he will from star trek the next generation no he's not will swore he's will he He is not not. ah you guys said that in unison he looks just like will (laughs) you might need glasses I, i i'm wearing double framed glasses that must mean i need bigger glasses the other thing too is and this is just from i have not read hellboy i've ordered Hellboy, so I can start reading it because I, I think it looks fantastic. But I also understand that in the comics, it's it's less of a like in the movie, it's really a coming of age story, right? You've got this character; he's effectively a teenager, even though he's what sixty at this point, and he is trying to figure out like who am I, right? Oh, am I this? Am I going to follow this love interest for a while? Am I going to 
become more mature. He's, you know, he shoots one liners every now and again. But I understand the comic book, he's more of like a an old man, right? Um, he's more mature and he is far less jokey. Is that right, Fergal? Yes, yes. And so I'm actually currently reading a Hellboy crossover with Batman. He definitely has a different tone on him whatsoever. I mean, he's more more experienced, more widely. Doesn't really, you know, because but again, they they take the, the, some of the stories are really cool. That's why, you know, the the new one, while it's not my favorite remake by any standard of an imagination, kind of takes a different part of his story and focuses on that. I mean, yes, he's less. They they get it right. They get some of the parts in the first one and the second, and then the remake more comically accurate. Um, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. Again, what I've read reminded me more of of like the Witcher. Right. He's he's this character that's out there. He's almost like an old soul that goes out and and is stop. You know, using his knowledge of the occult or of these demons to to you know stop them from whatever they're doing. One is uh, one of the stories that's in this collection is someone's baby stolen uh, by. like some kind of um, not a leprechaun, but something similar that basically takes the form of the baby. Like like a changeling? changeling Yeah, like a little changeling and then he has to go into the the land of changelings. It was all very good, but that that reminded me more of something like the Witcher books, right? Where he goes out and there's a there's a, and almost all the stuff that I've read so far is like that, but I I do wonder if there is stuff that's a little more current, because all that stuff feels very old-worldy, and I like it. I mean, I like it a lot. This, I thought, was kind of a different setting for what I was expecting, I guess. One of the interviews I watched of Mike Magnolia, um, he discussed that he hates drawing cars and airplanes and anything modern. He's just not a good artist around that. So which is why the Hellboy comics are always, always centered around ruins and sort of medieval period, you know, things that look like that. So which is why the look of it being in was it Jersey or Brooklyn or wherever the movie takes place um, is sort of a very different than the comic itself as sort of a location, a locale. But the intro and the cemetery section towards the end feels a lot more like what I read. Oh yeah, I mean the intro is pro- probably if if you if you were to circle in on one scene and you stuck with just that intro, the beginning when they pulled them out, that was absolutely phenomenal. I mean that was probably one of the coolest blending of what the Führer, or I guess what Hitler was trying to accomplish with the Thule Society, what they were all about, and what was going on. That was dope right just i mean i think the worst part of that scene was the american soldiers in that scene and that was the stupidest part of that scene well i'm glad you you like that intro because I, I like to always look at what the studio tried to make happen versus what actually happened and one thing they tried doing was they wanted to change up hellboy's origin story and what they wanted was this is the studio not del toro um they were, i said you know why do we make it so that hellboy is just a human that turns into hellboy whenever he gets angry kind of like a red hulk that's horrible. I'm so glad that didn't happen. That was one of those ideas spitballed after a long, long evening. Oh, there's some really good ones out there. Actually, it's funny. So we keep talking about Del Toro. Del Toro is, I think he's like the master of monsters, right? Everything he does in the horror genre that deals with monsters, Eldritch horrors, and I love to see his Cliffs of Madness, which I know he keeps talking about. But he was not the original director that they were looking at for this movie. Oh, who was it? Uh, so a couple here for you. First one, one was Jean-Pierre Junette, who went off to do Alien Resurrection. I remember that movie. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Himes from Time Cop fame. Oh, the, see, they missed out. Oh, that would have been that's 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 the one right there. That's like the Lions taking it to the Super Bowl. That would have been perfect. And David Goyer, who went off to do Blade Trinity, because actually Del Toro was originally offered Blade Trinity because he had just come off doing Blade 2. But he turned that down. He also turned on Harry Potter, the Prisoner of Azkaban, to do this movie. So Dave Goyer went off to do Blade Trinity because Del Toro turned it down. But they originally were trying to tap David for this movie. 
Well, I'm glad they kept uh, Del Toro on this thing. I think he did extremely well. No, David has written. Now, he's a writer for a couple different movies. He wrote the original Blade, Blade 2 and Blade Trinity. He wrote okay. The Crow City of Angels. He wrote Dark City. He wrote all the Nolan Batmans. He wrote he wrote for the TV series Constantine and the TV series Krypton. So the guy does have some superhero comic book you know, credentials. OK, but I am glad he did not direct this movie. <laughs> And I I only bring this up, this next thing up, because we mentioned it in a previous episode. So in the beginning where we're getting that men in black scene where he's going to this hidden, um, was it the BPRD, their headquarters? And he's he's given that tour. So for those who have not watched the movie yet, the the character of Agent Myers is he's the stand in for the audience where all the exposition gets to be explained to him. So we get to understand what this world's about. Right. And he gets a tour of the facility. And one of these he walks by is the Spear of Destiny. Yes. Which, as you guys remember, I hope you remember, is the same Spear of Destiny used in the Constantine movie later that year. Yes. Oh, so the prop is the same. The prop, the exact same prop. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's super cool. You could actually tell that by looking at them. I mean, you could literally tell that because of the markings. I mean, but it's the sphere of you're going to use the same kind of thing, right? It wouldn't be drastically different. But I mean, I, I would have to look at them side by side, but I'll take your word for it. That's a cool piece of trivia. Yeah. And uh, and that spear along Jess is a, it's a replica of the spear from the Hofburg Treasure House in Vienna, which is to believe to be the actual spear of destiny or spear along Jess. So that's actually on display somewhere. Yep. Oh, well, it's not on display to the public, but it's at the, the Hofburg Treasure House in Vienna. Oh, that's like my girlfriend who lives in Canada. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just supposed to say, not Vienna, Virginia, up the road from me. You have a girlfriend in Canada? Does she live in the Niagara Falls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you can't see her. She's always very busy in Canada. It's tough out there in Canada. This movie takes a lot of sort of inspiration from H.P. Lovecraft. Did, did you guys notice that? Do you have the same feeling from that? Yeah, well, especially the, the actual place they're pulling from, right? It's not the traditional hell. It's not, you know, fire and brimstone hell that they're, they're pulling these demons from. It's some kind of outer world demon, which I'm always, if you're going to go demons, I'm much more out, you know, that sort of Lovecraft unknown demon than the hell demon, technically. So I'm much more, ha- I'm, I'm much happier with that. Um, again, I don't know if that fits the original source material or not, but I liked it. So the, the monster is actually the Agdu Drahad, a seven-headed monster. So that's actually the true name of it. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a really, here's an interesting and completely awesome fun fact. So, in case you guys don't know it, you're going to love this information. Um, there was originally a, an angel, a Watchers of Angels, this kind of like super angel. His job, he was one of the kind of the beginnings of the cosmos, and he tried to release this demon, and they killed him, but they kept his right hand. They kept his right hand of doom. And so because Hellboy is half human, this is where you get the remake, so I'm ruining it a little bit. I think you should still watch it. He's actually descendant from uh, King Arthur's line, and I don't mean King Arthur, so they was completely messed up. Like, King Arthur had a brother, Mordred, and so, I mean... Yeah, I'm not a brother, another son, Mordred. So, you know, and Mordred had a child, and, and that child is the mother of Hellboy. And so, and then there's a full on demon, Aziel, that uh, was the other person. But that right hand was designed to open those. That was actually, that comes directly from the H.P. Lovecraft story, where the Abdu Jihad, you know, being able, that's part of the, one of the elder stories where you put the right hand of doom in there to open the gate. So that was part of the inspiration of that story. That was pure H.P. Lovecraft right there. Yeah, I've watched like a few documentaries on this, and it's the history, sort of the background of Hellboy's story is very convoluted. <laughs> um, but it all does tie together nicely at the very end, from what I understand, if you read the whole thing. Yes. 
Now you mentioned the hand of doom. It's it's his right hand. It's that giant. Yes. Uh, what was the word the American soldier used? Whammer. Slammer. Uh, yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a fist hammer. Yeah. Yes. So the the producers yet again, always looking back at this information, were actually thinking about changing it to his left hand because they were afraid the the, the actor whoever's going to play Hellboy at the point would have no use of his right hand, and obviously you need use of your hand because he's got a gun as well. Nicing Ron Perlman is left handed. I guess this guy is built for this role. <laughs> Well, I'm left-handed as well, and so I would tell you, everyone amazing is always left-handed. We're, you know, Mozart was left-handed. I'm not sure if you know that, but so is Einstein. Oh, I thought you were going to say, so I'm clearly the next Hellboy, which would have been fine too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was curious where you're going to go with that one. <laughs> I was, I was trying to see, but I would, I would, I think I would have to uh, create a Hellboy. I don't know if I could be. If there was a spell. Now I would definitely do the next Johnny Blaze, though. So this movie has a lot of hell inspirations or you know, Eldritch Horror inspiration we talked about. This movie, because it has so much, actually, when it was released in Malaysia, they changed the name of the movie to Super Sapien. Would you have watched that movie? Well, now that I'm an Abe Sapien fan, 100%. But I would have been very disappointed that it was still mostly about Hellboy. I probably wouldn't have. Although I, it's a superhero movie, I would have gone to it. Would that mean the entire movie is all spoken in Filipino? Because that would have made it slightly difficult. For <laughs> they're they're going to rename it Fishman's Red Friend. And I'd be in. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the tagline. Super Sapien. <laughs> Fishman's Red Friend. For the mo- this, guy's, this movie, guys, pacing-wise, this movie clocks in just over two hours. How'd you feel about it? You don't feel it. I mean, it'll get said by you guys. It'll get said by anyone who watches the movie, but you just don't feel two hours. It, it rocks. It takes you from scene to scene. It doesn't It doesn't fall into the weight of itself. Um, I just think it's a great, great watch. Yeah, it's paced well. This didn't have any long, slow periods. Even the parts where, you know, it's the, the kind of sappy love triangle that's not really a love triangle that I really didn't think needed to be there, but it didn't bother me. It was very short and it did lead to the story moving forward. It wasn't like this really long, you know, there weren't, there weren't long dating sections, right. That would have made no sense for Hellboy to like, it was there. He had his love interest thing. that was kind of this awkward, like, cause he's supposed to kind of be a teenager more or less, even though he's, or I guess 20 ish, um, even though he's 60 years old. So, I mean, it was, it was neat. I liked it. It did kind of tie the story together, but it also didn't drag on. A lot of the time, those things feel like they're out of place or they throw the pacing off. This didn't. This felt really good. You get the intro. You learn enough about Hellboy. You see him do like what it leads to the rest of the story. That's kind of like his his regular standard mission of, oh, there's a demon in this museum. Let's go you know, send in Hellboy and the team to the lead into the story that kind of ties back to his origin and the, the return of Rasputin. It's, all, it's done very well. I enjoyed it. Yeah, for me, I didn't even notice the clock moving by. I didn't realize it was a full two hours. I thought it was more like a 90-minute movie just because it does – it doesn't move quickly. It just moves at the right pace. So overall, guys, how do you feel about this movie? I, I, I love it. I, it's a good movie. The second one, not so much. Um, I think the second one kind of just went off the rails. It was a bit of the money. It was a bit more about the man. It was a cool story, but also I kind of a little bit too much, if you will. And the remake was uh, – Wrong character choice. Harbor's good, but still, still wrong character choice. I just, I was not. Broom was awesome. Wrong character choice. This movie, good. I mean, it's good watching over and over again. Like the other time we were talking about it, I was, I was literally watching it. It's a great movie to watch at any time. I really did like it, and then now that I've gone back and read some of the other material, I want to read more Hellboy because it's different enough that I like it, and I like that there are little kind of short, self-contained stories uh, as opposed to having to read, you know. 300 books to get the entire entire run. It's, it's nice that they're kind of self-contained. You know just enough. But it also, you know, slowly peels back 
uh, a story, it seems like. So I'm into that. But yeah, I, on its own, because I had not read any Hellboy when I had seen this the first time, I, I enjoyed it then, and I enjoyed it now. I think it holds up. I have not seen the sequel. I'm very sad to hear that it's not as good, but I'm going to check out the, both the sequel and the remake, because I do like this character. The remake, I think you'll enjoy. For me, this movie, I love this movie. I love this movie before we did this podcast. I've always loved this movie. It's a great, fun superhero movie in the sense of that it's got the right level of darkness to it, the right level of humor to it. Does it keep the source material? Until we start, we had to research for the show. I thought it did. I didn't know. I never read a single one of them. But it inspired me to go out and buy the Hellboy Omnibus. So I'm having that show up. It'll be here in a couple of days. I look forward to reading through that, getting a sense of that world because it's, I love eldritch horror type stuff, HP horror, sort of occult lore. Um, maybe it's my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> I look forward to any sort of comic that takes place in our world, just like how I felt about Constantine. So I look forward to, to reading it and I will have to disagree with you, Fergal. I enjoy the second movie for different reasons, which we'll probably have to do a show on that one later. But it does flow into that second movie, which was supposed to be part of a trilogy. Oh, it definitely does. It definitely does. And it's not a horrible movie. I thought the movie was good, but I just thought it, too, it got campy. And that's where, you know, you know, if you think about like a Blade, like Blade and then Blade 2. Blade 2 got campy and that means you get a little bit lazy and when you get lazy you lose the edge i think you lose a little bit of it and the story gets a little sideways but it you're everything you just said everything you said is amazing and then those elder stories are amazing i mean they're hp lovecraft that horror that kind of horror is the kind of horror that leaves me with chills like that's the that's the real deal kind of stuff like that's awesome movie type stuff yeah it's an existential crisis of you know you are nothing to these creatures Yes. Not not because they don't care about you, but that you were literally a, the the gnat fly in their their existence. I also want to point out we did an episode a couple episodes ago on uh, Watchmen, and they didn't film the Tentacle Monster because it was too ridiculous. This movie films the Tentacle Monster and it looks great. So I guess they proved them wrong in the in the past. That's it. They proved them, and and you know the only reason that was possible was because Time Cop went back there and set things right and showed what could be done. That's what it is. Van Damme came through it all with there. You literally stole my joke. I was going to say the same thing about it. It's all about time travel. <laughs> it's because Peter Himes really wanted this movie. He was upset that he was kicked as the director. So future this movie, guys, should other people go out and find this movie? Of course. If they haven't already. Absolutely. Yep. I liked it before. I liked it this time. And then I went back. I actually used it to you know, go back and read the source material. This is well worth seeing on its own. You, you should watch. You should read some of the crossover comics that they do Hellboy with. You would absolutely fall in love with that stuff. Now, I think people should go watch this movie. Now, there is a director's cut for this one, guys. But when it comes to it, I don't I don't think there's a real value in finding the director's cut. And it's actually pretty hard to find these days because it only adds a couple extra scenes. Nothing special. But as a movie as a whole, go find it on Netflix or wherever it's playing, wherever it's streaming. Go check it out. It's worth the watch. So I'm guessing you guys will go back and rewatch this movie at some point where you guys are talking about it. You don't have to guess, my friend. You don't have to guess. My, I was telepathically sending you that message with my right hand of awesomeness. Yeah, especially if I want to watch the sequel and know that they're going to kind of lead into each other. And then the remake. I'm definitely going to watch this again. Um, and I, I'd like to know, I, I guess I'll let you guys know later if I thought either of those other two movies is as good as this. So we, we sort of touched on it. There is a sequel to this movie. Uh, they never completed the trilogy. Um, that's because there was a falling out between Del Toro and Mike Mignola. They they went there. They had they got into some sort of fight. So the third movie never happened. Yeah, there was actually Ron Perlman, from what I understand, was a little bitter that they never made the third movie. I mean, he's in his 70s now. Um, it had the old man, Red Hellboy. 
but he actually went to a dinner with uh, who plays the new Hellboy? It's a guy from Stranger Things. David 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 Harbor. Yeah, there was a, a supposedly a dinner that was put together where the two of them sat at it and kind of buried the hatchet. But nonetheless, uh, I know Ron would love to play Hellboy again, but like I said, he's getting up in age, so he had to be old man Hellboy. Which could be interesting. I mean, that would be Hellboy, sort of an a la old man Logan story. Just Hellman. He's not a boy anymore. <laughs> that supposedly the third movie takes place because, and we'll talk about the second movie probably on another show sometime. But he gets he has a set of twins in the second movie, and it's the, the third movie is supposed to be the story of the twins all grown up. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, then he could be old man. <laughs> he could be paying off their college education. One of them, one of them, one of them's getting married. You never know. Complaining about how much groceries cost. Oh, you know, the best Hellman content. He could be, actually, he could, uh, you know, be middle-aged by that point because the way he ages and be starting his own podcast. (laughs) That's that midlife crisis coming at you. He's raiding all the demons he's fought over the years. Speaking of ratings, how do you guys rate this movie? I'm giving this a flat around thumbs up with, uh, I would throw a set of balls in there, but I will throw a thumbs up with the right hand of doom. And uh, I'll add old Betsy with me, uh, the Samaritan, if I need to, to uh, to make that point across. I will also give it a thumbs up, but mine will be a fishman webbed hand thumb. <laughs> Does the thumb have a, a, a rotten egg sitting on top of it? It has an egg that if you uh, if you kill an monster, two more eggs shoot out of it. That's what I want. I will give this movie a thumbs up. I love this movie. I've watched it several times as an excuse for this podcast, just because you know we're doing the right thing. I was like, yeah, I could watch it three times. And that'll be good because our next movie is also Hellboy. So we'll get to watch it a third time. <laughs> so speaking of that, guys, we've got some uh, some mail came in well, between our last episodes. We've actually got two to cover today. So I just want to get your eyes reaction on this one. Well, I'm, I'm excited for more mail. Hopefully not from my grandparents. Like mean tweets. <laughs> oh, your grandparents had the best mail. There is no mail from your grandparents today, Jeremy. I'm sorry to say. The first one comes from JW. I think he's written to us again before. Uh, it says, you guys are causing me problems. Now I need to go back and watch so many movies that I don't have time for. Well, that sounds like a great problem to have. That's what we call late nights on Saturday after everyone goes to sleep. I, I thought that was the start of you guys were so many problems. And here's where you're wrong. I'm waiting for those. We haven't gotten them yet. I'm sure they're on the way. But uh, if it's just that we're causing the problems of having to watch these movies, that's why I'm enjoying being on this podcast. These are all movies that generally, outside of Watchmen, I think these are all movies that I haven't seen in years or have never seen. So this has all been very fun for me. So I hope you're going to do the same thing I am, which is cram these in while you're pretending to work from home. That's how I watch these. <laughs> that's why we leave two hour, uh, two weeks between every episode to give people time to catch up on their movies. So this message sounds like it's from Dear Abby. Um, Abandoned Albert. Just want to say I am mercifully thankful for your podcast. I've been lost in the frozen wilderness up here and due to strange set of circumstances, including the loss of two toes, not the two big toes, and a malfunctioning laptop, your podcast is the only thing I can listen to. Holy moly. So there were a series of freak accents that created this moment? That's like a lemony slicker thing. First off, can we just comment on the fact that you wrote a letter about your two toes? I just want to thank you for having the courage to come out to us about those toes. And I love that. I mean, I... I'm going to be honest, if he, get, if he can find this podcast, I'm pretty sure there's other things he could find on the internet, because it means he has some level of internet. But I'm very excited. This is the one you found and latched onto for your, uh, your, your eight-toed existence. I'm glad we're here to help <laughs> well, you out. I do know we've had – one of our movies was rated using toes. I forgot which one that one was, but Fergal did give us a thumbs up and a big toe for one of our episodes. Oh, that may have been something back with uh, – that may have been Ghost Rider. I'm not sure which one it was, but it was one of them. <laughs> So before we go, guys, what are you guys reading? Where can people find you? 
So, uh, comicbooklavonia.com is for us. Uh, we're going to be bringing up gothamnetcomics.com. We're working on that. Uh, I am reading, as I mentioned, some of this really cool crossover stuff that involves Terminators, Predators, and Hellboy uh, with Marvel and DC characters. That is a pretty darn sweet story. Uh, you can always find what I'm doing over at Retrovania.net. There's new podcasts every month where you do. A, we're going to try to start streaming a little more often. Uh, as far as comics go, I'm also reading some crossovers, but I'm, uh, you know, a, a kid born in the, the late 70s, so I got to enjoy the mid-80s of, uh, of G.I. Joe, Transformers, whatever. So the current Energon comics line that uh, I guess Image is putting out with its new G.I. Joe, new uh, Transformers. Ooh, the and then, Cobra uh, Commander Void one? Rivals. Oh. It's all, yeah, it's all been so good. So I've been so reading that, good. among other things, and I've enjoyed so all of Oh, good. <laughs> You can always find me over at Off Panel Creations. Currently, I'm reading the series Antarctica. Uh, I think Top Cow produces it. I'm only about three or four issues into the thing right now, so I'm not quite sure how good it's going to be, but it has sort of a Stargate uh, multiverse feel to it. Interesting. So if you've all enjoyed, if you've enjoyed the show, please give us a review, share with your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us how we are wrong or make a movie suggestion. Just visit us at movie-smash.com and thank you for listening. share with your friends if you want to drop us a note tell us where we were wrong or give us a movie suggestion visit us at movie-smash.com